This is the Pinwheel Podcast. Hope for Florida's families. I'm Chris Lolly. And I'm Nydia Intuto. Every person plays a role in protecting Florida's children. On the Pinwheel Podcast, we'll highlight policies, practices, and programs that reinforce protective factors and promote resilience. A consistent focus on protecting children, strengthening families, and empowering communities will generate a positive impact on the lives of all Floridians. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pinwheel Podcast. My name is Chris Lolly. I'm the Executive Director of Prevent Child Abuse Florida, and I'm so happy to be joined today by one of my longtime friends and, and colleagues in, in the field of child and family support, I'll say. So I'm really glad to be joined by Susan Gage, Executive Director of the Early Learning Coalition of Northwest Florida. Did I get the title right, Susan? You got that title. It's a really long title. That's why we just call ourselves ELCNWF for the coalition, because yes, you know, yes. we get tired I, I, like I consider them mnemonic devices. Yes. Um, so just so everybody knows, yeah. But Susan, I really just wanted to give you a chance to introduce yourself and, and your colleague, Lindsay, and, and just tell us about your organization a little bit. Oh, thank you so much, Chris. The one thing I love to do is talk about where I work, because I think I have the world's best job, and I bet you, Chris, you would you would fight me on that one, because you probably think you have the world's best no, I, I know I do. Um, I am the executive director with the Early Learning Coalition of Northwest Florida, and we cover seven counties in the Florida Panhandle. And uh, just for reference, those are Bay, Calhoun, Gulf, Franklin, Holmes, Jackson, and Washington. So um, lots of geogra geography to cover, um, but some of the most beautiful Florida country, I think. So a little biased with that one. And um, I have my wonderful, I like to call her my partner in crime because she and I do, do really great things together and get in some trouble together. But um, Lindsay Holmes is our communications and community outreach director and is over a lot of those, some of the, well, I say a lot, some of the programs that we do. But I would love to have Lindsay talk about um, the coalition and um, our main programs. That we do. Yeah, hi. Uh, like Susan said, I'm Lindsay Holmes, Communications and Community Relations Director with the Early Learning Coalition of Northwest Florida. Again, lots of words strung together, but I'm used to saying them by now. Um, so um, our Early Learning Coalition does cover those seven counties that Susan mentioned. And in those seven counties, um, we get the distinct joy and privilege of um, running the school readiness program, uh, voluntary pre-kindergarten, and uh, child care resource and referral. Um, not in that order, actually, CCRNR, our child care resource referral, is seen as the front door to our organization, whereby any family that comes to our area can actually get um, information about child care in the area, and then, of course, information about resources that are available to them and their family. Um, and then school readiness um, is that child care assistance, and VPK is voluntary pre-kindergarten. Thank you, Lindsay. Oh, you know, we do a few other things in there, Chris, but, you know, we like to keep those secret and just, you know. <laughs> well, I appreciate what you said about trouble, but I, I call it good trouble, Susan. Yeah, so, exactly, yeah, exactly. I like to think about it that way. But, um, Susan, I, I just want to start out by saying that, you know, y'all have been on the front lines for this pandemic, uh, literally uh, helping families cope, helping them figure out how they're going to make it. 
through the week, through the month, and, and unfortunately through 18 months almost now. But I really know that in your area, it goes back further than that because I remember a storm named Michael, a horrible, horrible hurricane that hit y'all, what, not a year prior to the pandemic. Am I about right about that? Yeah, it was uh, October of 2018, and it was, you know, devastation. I've never been through a hurricane before, and that was my my first. We we stayed, and um, mm, yeah, it was it was pretty intense. And you're right, our area. Not only have we dealt with the same thing that the whole country's, well, really the whole world's been dealing with the pandemic, but Hurricane Michael was right before that, and the families and the children in our area were just starting to get back to something that they used to know and then then COVID hit so it's been one big crisis on top of another in our area yeah well tell us a little bit about how you have been able to help support families over the past let's just stick with the past 18 months sure so you know, to talk about the past 18 months, you have to talk about Hurricane Michael and what we went through because, you know, you you, you hate to be, you hate to waste a good crisis almost, right? <laughs> because you learn so much from it. So because of Hurricane Michael, we had, we were able to apply for some federal grants, which allowed us to bring in two very needed programs and types of activities that we weren't currently offering. One was a really intense focus on mental health for the family and for the young children and for the teachers working with the young children. And the other was a program called Help Me Grow. And, um, you know, Lindsay, I'm going to let her talk about Help Me Grow because that, that's one of the, er the areas that she is responsible for. But if, you know, anything you want to ask about the mental health services, um, if Chris, if I can just talk a little bit about that, then that would be no, fantastic. Wonderful. So what we were able to do was kind of step back and, and look real quick. When I mean real quick, like five or six days and say, okay, what, what do our, our families need? And what we found that the families and the young children needed was a sense of normalcy and a way to process what they had just been through and what better way to process than with people who are trained to help you process those mental health specialists and mental health therapists so we were able to um, acquire some funding and we contracted directly with mental health therapists and were able to hire mental health specialists so our specialists were able to go into child care centers work directly with teachers bring some healing and, and processing activities to to the ch children in child care and then they were also able to do some observations to see did certain children need you know additional support or their families or their teachers need that additional support and if so make those referrals and those therapists would come to the child care center and do their sessions there or schedule them in their office or even do teleservices so really what we try to do is make sure that we can meet the family the teacher and the child where they were literally take away any barriers to access. So there was no charge, is no charge for that. And just work towards you know, normalcy for, the, for those young children. And so far, um, I think we have about five therapists that we consult with and, and four specialists on staff with us. And that's all they've been doing. And they stay busy, especially when you add um, COVID-19 and all the wonderful stuff that that's brought to them. Right, right, yeah. Well, you mentioned something I, I want to go back and touch on for just a second. I want to talk more about those programs. 
But really, Susan, you know, I'm not sure everybody really thinks about child care and, and all the things that y'all do in terms of the prevention of child abuse and neglect. But you and I have talked about this many times before. And, and based on what you just said, you know, we don't necessarily think about mental health or getting help through mm -hmm. our child care provider either. But I know mm -hmm. you've been able to wrap a lot of things into one uh, ball of service, so to speak. Right. So was there a reason why you chose these programs? And what's your view about how y'all have been able to help families get a break and just have some way, someone to talk to and, right. and what a respite that is? It is, it, it really is. When you think about it, childcare provides that, that safety net for the children during the day, those young children, children who, who don't quite have a voice of their own yet, literally don't know how to speak. But you know, when you're a parent, you know, raising children is stressful and no, no pun intended, they don't, yeah, yeah. They don't come with an instruction manual, you know, and, and you can't just, you know, turn to this page when this thing happens and every child be the same. That's just not how it is. And, and the wonderful thing about child care and child care providers and the teachers and the caregivers are that their job is children. They know what it's like to, to you know, work with children the age that, that the parents, you know, are leaving with them. And, and they can help be that 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 grounding voice or that place you you had mentioned that respite you know when when you do need to go for a few hours to grocery shopping or, or just get away to be yourself and collect yourself that's that's a wonderful thing but on top of that Chris when you know you're going to childcare you know your child's in a safe place and these people have been background screened and they've had training and, and higher education and so the children are not only being loved and nurtured but they're also starting their their formal or no, their 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 education right so we're getting them ready for future child success and and going to child care is not just about playing i mean it is about playing and believe me they play but play is the work of a child that's what they're supposed to be doing and, and while they're there doing the things that young children do those teachers are there making sure everything's great and, and observing them and and you know helping if there's anything that just might not seem right, letting us know, letting us come in and do screenings and, and whatever the case is. But really, I think of childcare as that additional support for a family. There's that saying, it takes a village to raise a child and, and childcare is a critical piece of that, that support for families. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you said it that way because y'all not just serving children. I mean, children are your business, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but the way you just said that is y'all are really serving the family and, and approaching mm -hmm. it more holistically. And I think that's great. I just I think that's the way to do it. I know mm -hmm. what a big relief it was for us, as you and I have discussed before. Uh, so I, I'd really just want to commend y'all for all the work that you have done. And I know you're not going to stop. So, no, no, yeah. we're not going to stop at all. And, you know, one of the wonderful things that I, you'd love to have Lindsay talk about is one of the other programs we were able to bring in, which is called Help Me Grow, and what kind of asset that is for a family when they just have just general questions about what's going on. We'd love to hear about it, Lindsay. Tell us about it. Yeah, of course. Um, so Help Me Grow has been around for a little while, actually, since 2012. It was a system 
um, in the state of Florida. But we're fortunate that we get to be able to bring it to our seven counties um, and address the unique needs of the families here. So um, kind of the way it works is if you think of the mental health program as wrapping their arms around the child from the uh, child care provider's perspective, um, we get the chance to wrap our hands around or arms around the child um, from the family's perspective. So we're parent first um, as a program, and uh, we respect that the parents are kind of that first line of defense for the child and early intervention and detection. And um, we screen the children and then have hired some amazing people who uh, know many more things than I do about uh, care coordinating and the resources that are out there. And um, they connect the family to anything, not just addressing the needs of the child, which of course is at the forefront of what we do, um, but also if, if mom and dad need help paying their light bill, we'll help connect them to that because we wanna relieve those stressors that are in place that could uh, potentially affect the child um, that come from the parent, right? We want mom and dad to be able to go to work and just think about work and come home and and make sure the bills are paid and make sure the child has what they need. So it's a whole child wellness from a family first perspective on, on that side of the programming. Yeah. Lindsay, that, that's fantastic. I love hearing you describe it that way. The fact that you mentioned concrete needs like help with paying your light bill, help mm -hmm. with housing. Uh, we saw so many people in need of food. Um, mm -hmm. Forget about clothing. Um, you know, so I, I just love how y'all are approaching this. I'm sure, as Susan said earlier, we've all learned major lessons from what we've been through. And, and thankfully, we, we have the chance to implement them now. And y'all have picked some great programs and, and are looking at, looking at this holistically. That's one of the best parts about what y'all are doing to me. Um, so. Susan, Lindsay, anything else that y'all want to tell us about what you're doing or what your plans are for the future? Well, yeah, we would, um, our, as it relates, Lindsay, if I can jump in with Help Me Grow um, and our mental health, those are grant-specific programs. So we are actively seeking ways to continue those, those programs after um, the grant cycle runs out. And we know that in our, many of our rural areas, these resources that we're able to bring in are the only resources that are there. So the last thing we want to do is come in and offer hope for a, couple, a little bit of time and then have it go away. So that's one thing that we're really trying hard to do is to figure out how to mitigate any gaps that might happen because of a reduction in funding. Um, that's, that's the story we live with with grant-funded programs. So, um, you know, Chris, you've got any super strings you can pull for us. We'd really appreciate that. <laughs> But uh, rest assured, you know, we we do recognize that that a child's success in school is dependent on so many things. But without approaching it from a holistic family perspective, making sure that a parent can be the best that they can be to help be their child be the best that they can be and trying to figure out how together we work in community to to make that happen. That's you know, I go to bed at night thinking, what crazy things can we do next? Because I know these children that I see are the ones that are going to be taking care of me when I get older. And I want them to, to do great works for, for us. So. 
Yeah, yeah. You, you saw me in full agreement with that, Susan. And I think, uh, you know, everything we've covered today, everything from basic needs all the way through self-actualization. So I know it does y'all good uh, to be able to see kids that you've been involved with before and uh, see them succeed, see them have families of their own, uh, to be able to see them achieve their dreams. Um, and, and really, it is about collaboration. And I think that's one of the things that we've all tried to approach everything we've done for the past several months and years, just collaboratively. What else can we do to support each other? How can we do what Lindsay said by wrapping our arms around the parents and the whole family? Mm -hmm. Isn't that a wonderful visual? I mean, just think about it. And and you're here today representing you. You told us who you're with and the coalition that, that you're representing. But mm -hmm. I want our listeners to know that th this is not the only early, early learning coalition. No, it's not. There are 29 other early learning coalitions across the state of Florida. Um, some of them have as many counties as we do seven. Some of them are just one county. So really, it, it depends where you are in, in the state of Florida, but there is an early learning coalition that serves every single child in the state of Florida. And the easiest way to find out is just put ELC and then the county that you live in, maybe in a Google search or something like that, and the appropriate one will pop up. Or Chris, they can even give us a call and we will direct them to the, the coalition that serves them. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very nice. A lot of good information today, ladies. Susan, Lindsay, thank y'all both so much for joining us on the Pinwheel Podcast today. Uh, and I'll look forward to talking to both of y'all again in the not too distant future. Thank you for listening to the Pinwheel Podcast, Hope for Florida's Families. To contact us or learn more, please visit preventchildabusefl.org.